pleasure and honor that I'm here once again at Berea Baptist Church, and uh, thank you, uh, Brother Joe and uh, the church for uh, having me once again. I know I'm a lot, and I know that, so that's the disclaimer for those of you that don't know, but you all had me back, so you know what is coming, um, and uh, really, uh, really do appreciate the uh, conference thus far, and uh, appreciate all the special songs and uh, and the messages. Um, I do I do have a couple of things that I want to I want to just say again. I um, brother Joe is right. I mean, just been so blessed uh, to know him and his family uh, for many years now, and uh, really appreciate the friendship and the bond uh, that we have. Um, I'm also uh, need to remember to say uh, hello uh, from my brother-in-law, David Green. He wants to uh, say hello to each of you. My wife is not able uh, to be with us. The plan was for her to be here. Her dad is um, in the ICU right now with some heart uh, situations, and so doing okay. That's why I needed the Wi-Fi to make sure everything was okay, so we appreciate that. Uh, my oldest, Dinah, some of you know, she uh, she came down uh, pretty sick earlier in the week. She's doing better now, too. So um, last minute, I flew in because uh, this was uh, this was a uh, place wanted to be and needed to be here. Now, um, so thankful for all of those things. Now, um, having said that, in a couple of weeks, uh, by God's grace, it seems uh, we'll be uh, going up. Where'd Brother Jim go? Hi, there he is uh, over there to Olmstead. And then lots of Olmsteadians are here. And... Uh, Lots of uh, folks are planning on going there, so you'll not hear this message. So uh, that's 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 good. We'll get that out of there. And then number two, how many of you were just intrigued by what Brother Mel does in his secular work? I mean, you're just sitting there. Yeah, I sell and do customer service for soap. Like I can't do nothing to compare to that. Like he's just up here. I prosecute. I'm doing. I'm like oh, I'm just like listening in, and I could do that. I could tell you about my secular work, and all I'm going to tell you is I help people give better customer service for smoothies and soap. <laughs> Super important. Like wow. No, this is of course the highest calling of all. Right, pastoring one of the Lord's churches and uh, and and being able to do that. So. Uh, while I miss uh, certainly uh, my family um, immensely, I, I uh, travel better with them. I um, some of the like much to handle gets tempered down when they're here. So, so we'll see. <laughs> Um, you should also know that, yes, I'm on Easter time. You should also know that, uh, as Brother Joe, he only said it last night to Brother Duke and to Brother Dewberry, and that was, we want full messages. He didn't say that this morning. Did you notice that? You, he didn't say it this morning. I mean, maybe it was a blanket for today. There's only four of us. Would have been nice to hear it again, but, but that's okay. Yeah, I know. Now, you, so, I take it as a blanket that he still wants full messages from our other two. So, uh, so we'll do that, Lord willing. Now, you need to know a couple things. Number one, it's 11.25 your time. It's already 12.25 Eastern stomach time. All right? So, so I am fully aware of what time it is, but also fully aware of how long Brother Joe said we could go. And you all are also fully aware that the meat is already over there. So when I go, as long as Brother Joe says I can go, which I normally don't go, I only usually preach about 40, 42 minutes, just know that you don't have that long to wait because I started at 11.25. I just want to get all that. I mean, does that make sense? Because I know, but my stomach is an hour ahead of yours. 
So I'm holding myself up more than I'm holding you. Okay. You didn't come here for all that. <laughs> would invite your attention over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. As you're turning there, if you're able, I'd like to ask that you stand as I read God's word. Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, begin in verse 19. Uh, I have two sections of scripture that I'll read for the text. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, and the word of the Lord says this. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us, listen to 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Turn over to chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about, was so great... A cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we'll stop there and let us again look to our Lord in a word of prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your love to us, your mercy, your grace, and your watch care over us. We thank you, our Lord, for the day that you have provided and blessed us with. We thank you for so many uh, being willing and able to come to the house of the Lord uh, today and yesterday and throughout the weekend. We pray for those that will continue Uh, to be able to be here and those that will be traveling, Lord, that you'd give them traveling mercies. Uh, Lord, I do pray for my father-in-law and ask that you would continue to be with him and the doctors as they tend to him. Uh, For Brother uh, Hilly, Lord, and just rejoicing in the things that we have begun to hear for and through him and through what you're doing in his life. And I ask, Father, that you'd be with me this morning as thy servant. May you give me liberty and ability to present thy word in truth and in love. And Father, we ask that if there are any here today that know you not as Savior, that this would be the day of salvation, that they come to know you in the full pardon and forgiveness of sin. I ask, Father, that you do forgive us of our sins. May thy will be done in these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. may be seated. The title of the message this morning is Enthusiastic Encouragement for One Another. Enthusiastic encouragement for one another. In a world of unrest and turmoil, I don't need to be, and I'm not the only one that will tell you that we need one another. That believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are not exempt from the need to be encouraged 
by others. We are not exempt because uh, because we uh, do know the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not exempt from needing to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged uh, by others. And right, not every day it, it can be a day of encouragement. You know, I, I know that. Uh, by default, I think human nature, most of the time, by default, tends to negativity. Human nature, by default, tends to look towards the despair. A whole lot more we default to being negative and in despair rather than defaulting to be enthusiastic and encouraging. And this is true in our family circles. Uh, it was a blessing yesterday as Brother Joe honored our wives and certainly uh, knowing, again, my wife was not able to be here, but we ought to encourage our wives. And wives, we know and are thankful for your encouragement to us. Mothers need to encourage their children and children uh, need encouragement from both of their parents. And guess what, kids? Uh, we enjoy being encouraged by you as well. We all do need some encouragement. Now, uh, I did not add the title enthusiastic because of the way Brother Joe and I uh, spoke as he again uh, asked uh, a message of joy. This is the message that uh, the Lord laid on my heart about two or three years ago. Um, so it's been preached at Grace Baptist and it felt appropriate uh, for here. This was the original title. Again, nothing changed there. But again, in our family circles, we do need this encouragement. Granddaughters need encouragement from their grandmothers. I remember when I did preach this message, my grandmother, uh, who is no longer with us, was an incredible encourager to my wife. In fact, uh, you, we lived in Ohio. She was down in Florida. And uh, it just seemed any time uh, Heather would get involved with something, my grandmother would, one, laugh and say, what are you doing now? Why are you doing more? But she said, you'll get it done. You can do it. And then she would always finish up as, how is Justin treating you? <laughs> And, uh, and, and so thankfully Heather was usually able to say, no, <laughs> I'm doing well. Cause grandma would yell at me and then mom would yell at me cause grandma and mom lived together. Okay. All right. I digress. But encouragement, we need encouragement. Some of you are sports fans. Some of you are not either way. You know what an athlete is. And athletes need encouragement. And when someone or crowds of people are cheering for them, it does what? It drives them uh, to do better. There is such a thing as home field or home court advantage. That's a, that's a thing. And so when the, the, the home team is playing, and even if they're a little bit behind, when they score again and the crowd goes wild, it what? By default, encourages. That's what it does. It drives them to do better. So, beloved, I see nothing wrong then with quickly paralleling to the fact that we need encouragement of God's people. That's what made me think of specifically. We'll get back to Hebrews 10, but that's what made me think of very quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We have a cloud of witnesses that have been laid out before us, but even and above all of the cloud of witnesses, notice what it says in Hebrews 12, 2, even with all of the encouragement that we can receive from others and should and need to, that's what the message is today, but ultimately, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Encouragement. And I'll say we need some Christian encouragers. People that are encouraging us along and cheering for us enthusiastically, right? Let me, let me break this down for you. If I were to use the athlete thing again, I could say, come on. It's hard for me not to be encouraging. <laughs> you have one mile left to go. You can do it. You got one mile left to go. Come on, you can. That's easier for me. <laughs> that's my default, right? I mean, which wh- which way are you going to keep running faster? You got you got one mile to. It's not encouraging. It's not encouraging, right? It's not. It's not there, right? Fourth down. You can hold them. Make a wall. Don't let them score. Right? There's no encouragement there. Fourth down. Game's on the line. Hold them. Hold them. Hold them. It's encouraging, right? Okay? I worked in, uh, you know, before I started, you know, doing soap and customer service, I, I did work in logistics. That's where most of my Ohio career has been. And so I, um, you know, we, we uh, loaded trucks and, and uh, I had a crew of like 25 and, uh, you know, sometimes we had to work a little bit of overtime and I would, you know, I could go out to the crew and I'd be like, guys, I know you've worked 11 hours. Just, if you could just finish for me, that'd be great. There's no encouragement there. So you already know what I did. Come on, guys. I know it's been a long day. I know you're working hard for me. And of course, I'm in there with them, right? I'm in the trucks. I'm in the truck. Like I go from truck to truck, make sure they're not dead. <laughs> no. Uh, but to make sure, to do what? To encourage them. To be alongside of them. All right. Brother Mel, he did a lot of parallels, so you know it's coming. You know I'm about to come to us. And this is just the introduction. Like, <laughs> we're not even to part one yet, Right? So in the Lord's church, right, and this is not a criticism, please understand, it's not a criticism. It's not a criticism to any preaching or singing styles, but, you know, we can come into the house of the Lord, and again, I've already stated the fact that we need to have enthusiastic encouragement for one another. I'm going to tell you why it's needed here in a little bit, and then I'm going to tell you what it is. All right, so don't worry, we're going to do those two parts, but, but you know, we come into the house of the Lord, and you can come in a couple of different ways, Right? You can come in, good morning, how are you, right? Standing on the promises of... Come on, are we standing on the promises? Some of us have got to let our faces know what our hearts are feeling, right? Standing on the promises of Christ my King, right? Through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the heart. One, we need enthusiastic encouragement for one another. Even in our kind of churches, we need enthusiastic encouragers. And all of you right now, again, I said I'm a lot. I know that. Some of you are thinking, Grace Baptist Church, I don't know how you do this every week. I'm not this wound up every week. Like some of you that are staying, uh, Lord willing, uh, through Sunday, it'll be a little more toned down, potentially. <laughs> Right? 
Well, we need enthusiastic encouragers in the Lord's house, right? That we lift up our songs, that we, we, we tell the world we're excited that we get to live eternity looking unto Jesus. That's a good thing, beloved. And, and, and I tell you, if you don't remember, it's been about eight minutes ago or so. I said we live in a world of unrest and turmoil and we need one another. It's important. It's vital. And so that gets us into the first part of the message. Why continuous enthusiastic encouragement is needed. And I'll give you three parts in that. Why continuous enthusiastic encouragement is needed. And then secondly, I will let you know what enthusiastic encouragement is. Not defined by me, uh, but by the word of God. And we have a lot of scriptures this morning, the Lord willing. And there's three parts to that as well. So why continuous enthusiastic encouragement is needed? Well, again, I think I, I answered some of that in the introduction already. But I want to bring us back to our text. If you remember when I was reading, I said this verse, right? I said, stop here. Or I said, think about this verse. And it was Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. I don't know that I said all of those words exactly, but I know I said something when I got to verse 24. And in verse 24, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider one another, listen, to provoke unto love and to good works. Let us, that is us, that is us, the children of God, uh, and then specifically, of course, as we preach to our own churches, consider one another and bring them down. Let us consider one another and make sure that when they're down, we're going to kick them again and bring them lower. We need, God knows exactly what we need. And we need some enthusiastic encouragers. Now, uh, you know, here's the thing. We know, like old school Justin, right? So from, from many, many years ago, some of you don't know that old school Justin. It was always like the, 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 the very hard messages. And if I'm going to, you know, talk about holiness and holy living and, you know, dress and modesty and all of that stuff, I still preach those things, of course. Because we are to preach the whole counsel of God. But I know I need to be encouraged. And I know my people need to be encouraged. I know my wife needs to be encouraged. And my children need to be encouraged. I know my brothers and sisters in Christ need to be encouraged. We're to encourage each other. That's what the word says. To provoke unto love and to good works. Provoke means to arouse, to action, to excite, to stir up the feelings. The word is often used with reference to arousing one to anger. But in this text... It is a strong usage to encourage unto love and good works. And again, beloved, that's strong language, right? That is strong language to excite, to stir up the feelings. And again, it says provoking others to good works. Assembling in the house of the Lord. This is fantastic to be able to be in the house of the Lord. It's already been stated. I'll not go any deeper than that. And we encourage one another by encouraging one another, by being in the house of the Lord. It's really great. It's how God works. And God designed us for fellowship. God designed us as relational people, to make relationships, to be around other people. And the very best people to be around certainly are God's people. But we also then must remember that we want to reach out to those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to share with them the love of God. And then as we do that, we provoke one another, (coughs) excuse me, unto good works to go out and to be the light in this dark world. 
That's why it's so important that you come. That you make the effort to come to the house of the Lord. To attend. To sing. Again, it's because this is God's design for us. Beloved, I will tell you that God's children ought to be the happiest people on this earth. Now, I'm serious. I'm I'm not just saying it because it's a part of the message and you think I should be saying it. I'm saying it as a challenge, unfortunately. We ought to be. And I, I live life, okay? I, I, I wasn't there with Brother Joe and Brother Tate, but I know that there, there were times of great sorrow. And, and Brother Joe, I've told both of them, I don't even know that all of them have worked through all of these different emotions yet. So I'm not up here trying to present like this pie in the sky, like unrealistic thing, because I know that life is really life. And, and at 4.15 on Thursday, I realized I was coming by myself. And that, that kind of, that's a bummer. It's a bummer. But it, it doesn't cripple us to the fact or to the place that we're no longer happy in Jesus Christ. And so we ought to be. So number one in the first part of the message, number one and number one here. All right. Um, We're designed to be together. But number one, people, that is Christians included, (laughs) have a tendency to become discouraged. Have I covered that already? I have. We have a tendency. That's where we default. We default to discouragement. We not justifying that that's where we default, but that's where it's easier to go. It's easier to be discouraged, even while doing helpful and significant work. Now, some reasons within ourselves, um, you know, we, <laughs> we just, again, have that tendency. We are, by nature, immature and, and oftentimes self-centered. By human nature, and again, this is mostly, I'm talking about people here, but, you know, children of God included, Most people find it easier to hate rather than love. Most people find it easier to quit rather than continue. And so we fight to overcome these negative and inward inclinations. And that's where the right kind of encouragement can really help. Okay? That's where, and again, I'll get into that in that second part of the message. That's where this is all building. So I've already, you know, within the message... You know, I pointed out verse 24 and then I make you think about verse 24 again. I'm laying down precepts so that as they come back out later, you're like, oh, that was the seed that Brother Justin said. This is what he's talking about. Okay. We need and God's designed for us to be together because, again, the world is full of unrest and turmoil. Beloved, the reality is, again, as I said, that the sinful world we live in oftentimes does not provide the encouragement that the child of God needs. The devil will do everything he can to uh, come up with and, and have discouragement and despair and defeat in your life. And the devil wants nothing more than the attitude of apathy to enter into the church. Laodicea, the lukewarmness. I'm going to talk about that in part three of part one of the message. I do that so you know how far along we are, right? You're like, okay, he's promised us. Okay, that leads me to number two, apathy. You see, apathy is part of the reason that we need every child of God and every pastor to be continually enthusiastic about life and the things of God. Apathy and lukewarm attitude is exactly what the devil wants. 
So then the opposite, again, of apathy is enthusiasm. (laughs) Apathy is lack of care, lack of effort. Apathy is brought about by lack of concern and interest in the things of God. It is often characterized by indifference. How many parents does it drive you nuts if your kids just go, <laughs> my kids didn't do it very much. If they're gonna, ever going to listen to this, they're going to they're gonna know. They've heard this, right? <laughs> Pastor brings up a, a work or, or something that he'd like to see the church do, and the, and, and the motions and the votes are just like, <laughs> come on. Let's enthusiastically encourage one another in the work of the Lord. It's happening with, you know, coaches are doing it to athletes and bosses do it to their coworkers. Why are we not doing it one with another? Listen, it's a challenge, okay? Shame on us, I told our church. Shame on us if anyone walks in. You know, listen, we don't get that many visitors anyway, folks. I'm a realist. I'm not, I'm not boasting in that. I'm just telling you. Shame on us, I said to our church. If anyone walks into Grace Baptist Church and feels coldness and indifference, shame on us. They ought to feel, and I, and I get it, it's hard for somebody to walk into church for the first time, and all of a sudden, you got Justin Meyer coming at you. Hi, how you doing? How'd you hear about us? Wow, it's so great to have you. I mean, I might not be that extreme, but I probably come off pretty close to that. And I got my other members who are like, it's so good to see you. Oh, you live in Marengo? I live in Marengo. But I'd rather have that. I'd rather have that than no encouragement at all. Amen. It's so hard to walk in. It's so hard. Let's enthusiastically encourage people to be there. Apathy is, is, is just tearing us apart. Listen, beloved, as we think about our lives, as we think about assembling in our own congregations, I, I don't even know, how could we ever even consider forsaking the house of God? How do we even consider neglecting study of God's precious word? How could we even ever not be so burdened to take our responsibility to witness to the lost? Listen, I'm telling you, apathy is spreading like wildfire in our churches and across this land. And I'll keep saying it. We should be enthusiastic for God. And yet we find we're so apathetic. We should be filled with the spirit. Church attendance should be at all time highs. Yet it's hitting record lows. People are not excited about God anymore. They're not excited about his house. But we should be enthusiastic and growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This whole weekend should be an enthusiastic encouragement to every single person that is in here. (laughs) And so may we flee from the abomination of apathy that our hearts are going cold for the Lord. Flee from that apathy and get excited about the things of God. Thirdly, in this section, I mentioned about being lukewarm. So why is continuous enthusiastic encouragement needed? Well, one, people, Christians included, have a tendency to become discouraged. Number two, because of apathy. And number three, to avoid being lukewarm. Again, that church in Laodicea, they were not really cold and they were not really hot. In fact, the Bible gives us clear direction here in Romans, or Romans, Revelation chapter 3. That's two R's. you gotta, got to bear with me. Revelation chapter 3, 14 through 19, tells us about the church at Laodicea. Calls them lukewarm, and it's a terrible place to be. Revelation three fourteen, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true, I love that truth, true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's some serious, strong verbiage from our Savior. It'd be better if you were cold. (laughs) Certainly better if you're hot for the things of the Lord. Because thou sayest, verse 17, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye slave that thou mayest see as many as I love. I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and Repent. That's the warning to the Laodiceans. The warning to us. They were described, as it says here again, lukewarm. That was their description. The water supply of Laodicea was lukewarm. It had to be piped in through a system of aqueducts from the cool springs of Colossae and the hot springs of uh, Hierapolis. I don't know. H-I-E-R-A-P-O-L-I-S. And by the time it reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm. That is, it was tepid to the taste, unfit to drink. And so spiritually speaking, a lukewarm person is tepid, lacking enthusiasm, half-hearted in what he or she believes. So we must examine ourselves and ask, are we lukewarm? And so then secondly in the message, why or what, excuse me, is enthusiastic encouragement. Now, the truth is that we're not all the same. Praise God. Amen, right? God, we are all humans. Everyone in here, all of you, every one of you. Male and female, because that's the way that God created us. But we're, we're not all the same. I mean, you're not all like me, and I'm not all like you. And that's 100% okay. God did not make us all the same. And some have, some have naturally more enthusiasm than others. But all of us have the ability to show some degree of happiness and enthusiasm and to give encouragement. Sorry to do this, but I'll just go ahead and do it. There's two types of encouragers. I'm going to try to put a picture in your head. Like them or not, here they come. One of them, Mr. Rogers. Now, Mr. Rogers, he wasn't loud and like, ah, like I am up here, right? But he had a way of encouraging people. And then you had, oh, William Wallace, Braveheart, painting the face, telling you like, you know, again, that fourth down, come on, one more down, one more down, right? That's another element of encouragement and probably somewhere right in between, right? (laughs) Mr. Rogers and William Wallace. But we all have the ability to give some degree of enthusiasm and and encouragement. So back in our text, believe it or not, back in our text in in Hebrews chapter 10. I've already read to you a, a few of these verses. It's good to get them back in our in our minds again. You would think I'd be able to get to it a little bit quicker than I am. There, I found it. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, once again. 
And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but what? Doing what? Exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. (laughs) So we are to provoke one another to love and good works. I already covered that. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But listen, here's what it is. Here is what enthusiastic encouragement is. Exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are to be here for each other. Cheering one another on. But again, all while looking to the author and finish of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. Cheering each other on. And that goes right along with all of that teaching there. You know, uh, you have the the verses I did in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Obviously, right before that in chapter 11 is the is the the call of faith, if you will, the role of faith, right? And and the heroes of faith, however uh, some call it. It just goes right along with all of these things. And certainly there's not a greater thing in the entire world to me than to be enthusiastic about serving our gracious, loving Lord. As we consider the glory of the Lord, the majesty of his grace and his claims upon our hearts, it should be bur- we should be bursting with enthusiasm and devotion to him. Remember, but like I said, I don't want to define what enthusiastic encouragement is through the eyes of Justin Meyer, but through the word of God. I've already given you Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I want to take you over to Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. And if you don't see enthusiasm uh, leaping off of this, if you don't see encouragement coming and leaping from some of these verses that I want to read to you, I just ask that the Lord just just be with your heart and, and convict your heart and just look into these things. Because again, it's not from Brother Justin, but I want you to see as we consider the majesty of the Lord's grace, as we consider what enthusiastic encouragement is. Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it's what it says. It says, as the heart, that is the deer, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after the after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Is your soul thirsting for God this morning? Is it thirsting for him? Turn over a hundred psalms more. So 142. That was for you math guys. <laughs> Psalm 142 in verse 6. And the word of the Lord says this to us. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. That's not the one that I wanted. See, I tried to do a math joke and that. All right, well, we're going to move on because I'll get stuck. So three parts to, again, what enthusiastic encouragement is. Number one, enthusiasm requires a lively, absorbing interest in something that is worthy of our intention and involvement. It's hard to be enthused about something that does not captivate our interest or appeal to us. I am not interested in crochet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you crocheters. It is not me. I cannot get enthusiastically involved in crocheting. It's just not, it's just not who I am. I mean, I can cheer on the crocheters. Uh, I, I, I can say, great job to you all. I can give you enthusiastic encouragement. But, but for me to get enthused about crocheting, I, I mean, it's not really there. It's just not really there. It's hard to be enthused about something that does not captivate our interest and appeal to us. But, oh, beloved... Oh, you know what I'm going to say. 
When God the Holy Spirit imparts into us spiritual life in the new birth, He gives us a keen interest and desire for the things of God. And that's, that is something that we can get a hold of because God gives that to us. <laughs> and so and so it's not that I had to get enthusiastically excited about crocheting or whatever it is. God, in His infinite wisdom and purpose, as He imparts unto us the new life and gives us within this new birth this Holy Spirit of God, He does, that is God, gives us an interest and desire for the things of God. How do I know? First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. And it says... In 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lively hope. A lively hope. That's what it says. That's how I know. That's how I know. Verse 15, same chapter. But as as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Listen, chapter 2. Uh, verses 2 and 3, or verse 5 of chapter 2, 1 Peter 1, 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. These are beautiful, encouraging verses. Nehemiah's keen interest in the condition of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the wall prompted him to engage in earnest prayer to God in Nehemiah 1, verses 3 through 11. And then he enthusiastically set out to rebuild the wall for the glory of God. And you know what? He needed some encouragers along the way. Didn't Nehemiah get discouraged from time to time? He did. He set out on this great, great purpose. But there were times those little foxes, they kept coming. They kept trying to discourage Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was strong for so long. But then every once in a while, and and you read it in the account of Nehemiah, somebody came along and they encouraged him. It's awesome how God tempers these things together. And they built a section of the wall in front of their house. It's, it's just glorious. That's the enthusiastic encouragement that I'm talking about, folks. Okay. Um, <clears throat> number two. Another element of enthusiasm is holy zeal for God. Holy zeal for God. Look, if you would, I've got three verses on this in the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 18. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 18. And the word of the Lord uh, says this to us. Galatians, sorry, chapter 4 and verse 18. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. That verse was like written for Justin Meyer, <laughs> right? Like it's basically it's saying I can be excited. <laughs> it's good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and doing work for the Lord. I tell you, is a good thing. <laughs> Even if we're working for the Lord in our secular jobs, as we're you know showing people the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and I I, I don't go around. I, it's not like I go around just you know saying the gospel over and over and over again. I'm not excusing whether that's right or wrong. I'm just saying, but how you live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, how you're enthusiastic about the things of God as we're coming beside each other as brothers and sisters of Christ, right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, but they zealously, these are big, these are beautiful words. I love the King James language, don't you? (laughs) These are words, these are beautiful words. Zealously affect you. Um, 
and affected always in a, in a good thing. So again, that was one. I told you I had three, so that was one of three. And uh, next, I lost um, uh, uh, Colossians chapter 4, sorry. Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. <clears throat> Colossians 4, verse 12. Ephraim, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are at Laodicea and in Heropolis. Well, that was the other word that I couldn't pronounce earlier. Neat. He had had a zeal for those that were even lukewarm. Do you see that? That means they were ready to come beside those that maybe were not as encouraged as they ought to be and do what? Give them some enthusiastic encouragement. I know those two words are not in the Bible, but zeal and zealous. And those words bear out what I'm trying to express this morning. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous zealous of good works. There's a lot of religious people out there today that have a zeal, but not a godly one. (laughs) But you know what? They oftentimes show more enthusiasm for church and the people at church than most Sovereign Grace Landmark Missionary Baptists. The Old Testament people were enthused about the things of God and the New Testament people were enthused about the things of God. The book of Acts, I mean, Acts chapter 13 is just a beautiful recollection, just a beautiful account. The day of Pentecost, you can't tell me they weren't enthusiastically involved. It's awesome. It's awesome. And number three, and finally, another essential element of enthusiasm in serving the Lord is enjoyment and gladness. It's enjoyment and gladness. Let us not be guilty of dragging around and acting as if the Lord is the most miserable and serving the Lord, excuse me, is the most miserable and burdensome task that we could ever engage in. And as you do that, be careful not to look at the beam in another or a speck in the other person's eye without looking at the moat in yours. Because it's easy to look around and say, well, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not. We hold up the word of God. How? Beholding as our face natural in a glass. Sorry, I misquoted that. But we examine ourselves from God's word. That's what we're supposed to do. And so, so let us be glad. Let us serve the Lord with gladness. I mean, after all, we ought to be the most enthusiastic people there is about serving the Lord. He is, he is worthy of all of our joy and energy. And there is a plurality of scriptures here. Deuteronomy 33, Psalm 31. Um, uh, you know what? We'll go over to Psalm 31. Let me just take you over there to Psalm 31. We're doing, we're doing great. We're doing great. It's 1204. You guys are good. It's 104 to me. So we're good. We're good. Right? So, uh, so Psalm 30, uh, 30, uh, 33 here read to you some of these about the joy of the Lord and be excited and being being happy in, in, in things in the Lord. It says in Psalm uh, chapter 33 and verse 1, the word of the Lord says this, 
Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto Him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. But again, just these elements, these are beautiful, great words given to us in the King James about being excited and, and, and gladness and joy, rejoice, zealous, all kinds of beautiful things. Psalm 122, 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, right? It's an exciting privilege to serve God, to encourage one another. And so I want to leave you with a positive note on enthusiasm. When we are positive about serving and pleasing God, I I believe that God blesses us with this healthy and positive mental outlook. (laughs) I'm not I'm not like Joel Olsini on you up here, I promise. But God is so good and he's so gracious. And he blesses his people. I think enthusiasm raises an individual's energy level to to get things done. And I referenced Nehemiah earlier. It has a positive influence on those around us. Nehemiah 4.6. Nehemiah was enthused. And so were his people. So I ask you the question. Are you enthusiastically encouraging someone else? Are you enthusiastically encouraged about the church? Were you or are you excited to be here? We need God's people to be encouraging right now. With everything, and I I know you other preachers can say all this, but with everything that is going on, we need to be encouraged right now. People need to see that we handle things a bit differently, right? Right? We have a living Savior looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He lives. He lives. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're here and lost, I pray today that this is the day of salvation for you. I thank you all for your kind attention to the word of God. And may God use his word and add the blessing to it. Brother John.